0: movie
1: mavericks
0: the movie mavericks
1: podcast movie mavericks speaking of fucking long uncut european cocks, the movie mavericks podcast now for your hosts jason
0: and trevor i can't wait hey now everybody welcome to episode 294 of the movie mavericks podcast i'm trevor anderson send you over to jason rugard he's got a rundown for us
1: on today's show, we'll be doing some trivia, some talking about movies, and reviews,
0: <laughs> and a little bit of trailer. Nonsense. If you don't know how this
1: podcast works. None out, of like that is 300 happening. 300 episodes, then shame on you, and shame on us for not informing you. The uh, game is gone. If you haven't noticed, Box Office Ace did not make it to 2016, but the trivia did, uh, so we're going to start off a little trivia here. Okay. Are you warmed up? Do you, do you ready? You get a little calisthenics in?
0: <laughs> yeah. all right uh i know you're a aficionado of of home video you collect you're a collector uh i don't i'm way too young that's beyond my time i don't i don't know what you're talking about what's home video (laughs) video people used to have these
1: cards they walked into buildings and left with things and brought them back days later what's
0: a building
1: remember late fees
0: i never leave the house uh yeah late fees yeah okay what do you get what's your trivia home video trivia the first
1: movie released on DVD, what was it?
0: I, you know, I feel like I should know it, but I don't, I don't, I can't recall. I really don't know. So it's going to be something terrible, right? I'm going to give you a guess. Oh boy. It was a flipper disc. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of flipper discs. I believe it was a flipper disc. If well, through. it probably was. Um,
1: Stargate? Oh, it's a good guess, but no, that was a flipper disc. That was a shit. There was well, like there were five a bunch of flipper discs,
0: so there. yeah.
1: Um, It was actually Twister. Twister. It was the first movie that was... Uh, I knew something. it was
0: something horrible. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Something totally not worth it.
1: But uh, it makes sense, in because the, the, that was like kind of a visual effects breakthrough film at the time, and uh, I guess they were just trying to push that as, as fast as possible. But I remember seeing that next to the
0: VHS and thinking, what the hell is that thing? And, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't really want to see Twister in high def. <laughs> the special effects don't hold up. Well, I mean, it's funny
1: that we consider in a non-anamorphic flipper disc high def, but it's yeah, but it just digitized if It's it's just def. Uh, let's move on and talk about some things that are going on in the movie world here. Latest is that Deadpool, ra- recently rated R, has now been banned in China, which is a fancy way of saying it didn't get past the censors and won't be allowed mm-hmm. to play there um, in that short period of time. That good days. But uh, That means it's going to be good. I think so, too. <laughs> I think this isn't going to be some sort of uh, puss out, actually. I'm starting to become more and more interested. In yeah, it
0: I'm is. ready for another. For I say another. I'm ready for a, a, an R-rated movie. <laughs> Where are they at? Where do they go? I They've left they me. Did you see the
1: emoji poster that Fox put out for this in some areas? No, the I did skull and the pile of shit.
0: Oh, I <laughs> have seen that, yeah.
1: In the L. Well, apparently that came from a conversation between Ryan Reynolds. If you follow him on his social media at all. Oh, a pile uh,
0: of shit came from that conversation with Ryan Reynolds, I believe No,
1: it. Uh, his picture, he texted the heads of the marketing at Fox and said – I bet you guys would never have the balls to put this on a poster and sent them that emo- that very thing, mm-hmm. those emojis and L, hmm. and then they put the poster up. <laughs> um, and, he, and he documented it on his Instagram, so he gave him credit. Uh, but I also like that they've been doing, because it's coming out on February 14th, they've been doing a lot of those Valentine's. Kind of, yeah, those Day Valentine's things. The Yeah, They're, they're making it last, last forever. Yeah, it <laughs> made <laughs> it look like a Nicholas
0: Sparks movie. <laughs> I think that is
1: quite clever, you know, what they're doing there. so. so. At least you're having some fun. This has got to be the longest campaign run up to a movie of all time. I feel like they've been yeah, I know, right? Promoting this for well over two years. They've been keeping it like. fresh, though. At least yeah, it's it's like I said. At least it's not brain dead. It's clever. It's not just mechanical marketing. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? Speaking
0: now? of brain dead.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Vin Diesel or Fast and Furious. Yeah. Take your Which pick. <laughs> this <is>
0: point. <planes. laughs> So we got Furious Eight uh, coming at us. We got a title and a location, right? What are they? The, it's going to be Fast Eight, Ooh, to complement
1: <laughs> Furious Seven. <laughs> right.
0: I, <laughs> it, it, should it, be, ridiculous. it should be it should be F eight. The it should be the letter F, the number eight, and the letter S and the letter T. <laughs> it's way more clever than anything that they've thought of. Feast it Doesn't make any sense. It should just be that.
1: you should just say fuck off. Give us seven <laughs> bucks. This is like a right. Everyone's gonna see this. It's gonna be a huge fucking grosser for no reason. It's gonna be coming to New York, it looks like, with the New York skyline on the teaser poster. So Vin Diesel announced this today on his Facebook page, which amazingly has like ninety million followers and this guy's Facebook. Presence, <laughs> yeah, people like Vin presence. Diesel. Is huge and I like the guy too, but they act like yeah. that has some sort of impact on his movies. And as we saw, it didn't help the last witch hunter, so
0: yeah, yeah, people seem to, to desert Vin Diesel pretty quickly. <laughs> I know as, he was as far, as, far as, as movies go,
1: part two and three, but he is now going to be reprising this role for the sixth time. And that's getting up. This looks like there's no end in sight, it's starting to get up there. In the no, we
0: got what I mean, they're talking spinoffs, and they're going deep in spinoffs too, it's pretty crazy. Like Michelle Rodriguez spin offs was the latest thing I heard. Obviously, you know, not real at this point, but the fact that anyone is seriously thinking about this is, uh, come on, really?
1: I'm just saying, if he reprises this role one more time, then he's getting up there with Stallone and Rocky and Shatner, yeah, so. with, you know, things like that mm-hmm. where people are, uh, you know, Jackman with the Wolverine character, things that like rarefied error in time, which could illegal, easily right?
0: happen. Absolutely. You I can mean, be
1: doing this 10-11 times. Yeah.
0: After that the momentum from the last one, yeah.
1: And he's following it up with Triple X two, The Return of Xander Cage. Yeah which That one I'm be... excited. I would have been if this was two thousand and four, but no. it's we're fine, it's about... twenty
0: fifteen. What else is new? I mean, it's actually twenty sixteen. This oh, won't be till
1: seventeen. <laughs> so uh, you'll be writing that <laughs> on it your is. papers till it's about...
0: January. <laughs> what do you want?
1: But this won't premiere until next year, so I don't know. Um, that's fifteen years after the original. That's it's a fine. Long.
0: That's fine with me. It'll it'll be like a new movie. Well, yes, it's an all-new all, all adventure. <laughs> I just hope they the, – yeah, I'm just going to be looking for the nod to Ice Cube. <laughs> Remember that
1: when he tried to be an action hero for like two movies, Ghost of Mars and and, and, and Triple X 2? As much as I, I like Ice Cube, maybe one of my favorite rappers of all time. But good mm-hmm. God, that was a bad decision to put him in that movie bump just bombarded the franchise. Yeah, All awesome. right, what do we have next? Ronda Rousey, an MMA fighter who recently lost, is cast in the new Tina Fey comedy, Do Nothing Bitches. That's a phrase that Rousey made. Very famous with her uh, attributing to lazy girls out there. And this is going to be a story about some lazy housewives that are sent to a militarized boot camp to get toughened up, and Rousey is going to be their instructor. Hey. Um, this sounds like... I mean, a every other
0: Tina Fey movie—a home run. Then
1: I don't know what else. To say. I mean, something that's going to make a lot of yeah, money and probably will be. This will mid- probably work. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like so, something Goldie Hawn yeah. would have done back in the day. Yeah. A private bedroom, I, do, I
0: don't have anything to say about this. Yeah, I mean, this is Tina Fey at this point, right? She's good at this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think she has. She's learned to have a broader appeal than she has had in the past, and. Yeah, probably smart
1: yeah. I think she's a safer alternative to Amy Schumer's kind of raunch right now so I think that's where yeah. she she's lies um, next we have Christian Bale who recently was cast as Enzo Ferrari in Michael Mann's biopic on the legendary car maker this is now going to be the second big movie that he's dropped out of after Steve Jobs because he says Bale that is says that he is seriously concerned about his health over the weight gain issue of the movie uh, surprising, I guess, but not really considering he's gone up and down, up and down and that can uh, obviously... Yeah, but
0: they all... Yeah. I mean, I mean that Tom takes Hanks a toll. He's got
1: diabetes from doing that, so I mean, yeah. I understand why he Tom doesn't Hanks want to continue
0: has, to do that. has said that that's a bad idea. That's really hard to do anyways. Russell Crowe has um, said that. I mean, a lot of people... Celeste Salone had you know, said it's hard. I th- it sounds hard, too, especially on... Um, it, it, I mean, the thing that's hard about this, I think, specifically is the 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 t- amount of time they have in which they have to do this yeah it's crash dieting both ways yeah so it's really it's uh, insane crash. yeah to try and do this in, in the amount of time that they, that they need to be prepared to to uh, get on set and the,
1: the time they spend in this form is not that much longer you know it's not that long anyways they're only in this form for three to no six and then weeks. they have to get
0: right back into shape again you know right
1: for the next role and uh that obviously is is not something the body is meant to do and Bale has pushed his body to the extremes. It's been well documented in all sorts of movies. Yeah, so he's
0: getting older now, so it makes sense, right? I mean, Tom Hanks has said he'll never do it again. Obviously, he's uh, older than Christian Bale, but there has to come a point, right? When you just kind of say, "All right, I'm good." And yeah, let's
1: try acting now. Yeah, apparently,
0: apparently we've we've reached that that point with with Christian Bale.
1: All right, next we have the Jumanji remake gets its director with Jake Kasdan, the son of. Lawrence Kasdan, writer of, or I guess co-writer of the new Star Wars movie and the previous Indiana Jones movies and Star Wars movies. This is, um, I guess, a good thing in the sense that it's in hands of a capable writer because he's proven to be capable, but sex Uh tape was terrible. Zero Effect was great. I don't really know where I feel about Jake Kasdan anymore, and I'm a little concerned that this is supposed to premiere on Christmas of this year, so... They haven't shot a frame yet. Imagine it's gonna be very visually effects heavy. So, I mean, you think they're gonna make that date? First of all, you think this is out in eleven months?
0: Uh, Well, it could be. I I mean, what's honestly? What's the difference between making this and any other big budget movie at this point? You know, Uh, the crew knows what to do. I I really don't think. You know, directors are interchangeable at this point. You tell me what about that last Star Wars movie's uh, had JJ Abrams stamp on it? um i mean none of it right so I, I think they're really the push to to make a movie that is just you know flat as far as having I mean, you know any hand of god in it uh is uh, am i wrong i mean th- that's what they're doing right
1: well i think what we need to recognize too slowly is that they're starting to creep into the 90s on the remakes you notice this with point break sure. uh, and jumanji, uh, jumanji and the '90s were a period when movies started getting really slick for the first time, with all the the beautiful cinematography. I mean, they were they were getting mm-hmm. there in the '80s, but they really got in the mid '90s really, really slick. And, and they're you know almost what they resemble today, outside of some major visual effects changes that happened with the Matrix and a couple other sure. movies. But really, with that slickness, it's almost the same thing. So it's hard to improve, especially with the point break. I saw this, it's hard to improve already on that because they're not these uh, things that are lacking so much because he's well, still hold up in a lot of cases. I think you
0: need a film. Right? It's a piece of art. You have to decide, I guess, whether this is art or if it's a, uh, you know, a commercial uh, output of some sort, right? Because that's really what's happening here. You know, this is just business versus art and really business is winning at this point. Um, and I say that only because there's not there's no difference between these movies, right? We, we're we really coming – I mean, music has the same problem right now, right? And has had for a while as well where everything sounds the same. Well you're
1: saying there's merging so, genres?
0: That people jump around, right? But, I mean, when you look at what's popular uh, is really what I'm talking about, right? And it makes sense that that would happen fine but we no longer take risks right we know there's no there's nothing new out there for us to find and there's no you know aside from an older director someone who's who, who's made their their way who can um you, you know put their imprint on a movie or someone that has the power even to be able to do that anymore. Uh, all the movies are the same. They could be directed by anyone or by no one, it doesn't matter at this point, right? I really don't yeah. think you'd even need a really a director anymore. They're just, you know, a traffic cop on set at this point. Really, the Jumanji
1: remake uh, for all purposes was Zathura with the space film that Jon Favreau did mm-hmm. years ago. So that was I'm sure going to be And he's neat.
0: a director that actually you can you can feel a him stylistic in there. imprint. Yeah, he himself. has something.
1: Yeah, and say what you want about Bay, but you know, Bay doesn't have the same.
0: Problem. Bay has. I think Bay there, has there has are the new thing. directors out. There. Colin Trevorrow, I think, might actually be able to put a little bit of a spin on uh, some stuff, and I'm I'm interested to see how his and and and, and Ryan Johnson's uh, Star Wars movies are different from. JJ J. Abrams Bland thing that I'm surprised. Why well, we did not get
1: that one? Did you hear about this? No, I get the Trevorrow one. Oh, well, this oh, really? Star Wars fans have now started an online pred- petition that has gotten over a hundred thousand signatures or uh, I guess votes. I'm not sure how an online petition works exactly because I've never had the fucking free time to do stupid shit like this. But they want to replace Trevorrow with George Lucas.
0: Oh, yeah, I did hear about that, but that's obviously not going to happen. You think that's just the pride of, <laughs> of of just uh, maniacs? Yeah, just I mean, maniac. that's that's obviously not going to happen. I don't even think he would want to do that.
1: We have a new Robin Hood movie coming out, and it's 25 years after the last good one. Yes, we had the Russell Crowe, Ridley Scott. There's thing, a good one. I'm not really sure what that was. I mean, you got to admit the Kevin Costner one's better than the Ridley Scott one.
0: That is true, but that that's all I needed. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> it's, from so, it's a horrible movie. <laughs>
1: My next thing was like, it has a better soundtrack at least, okay? Oh, well, it does. Um, it's, it has not held up as well as some other movies from 91, say Point Break and Terminator 2 to name a few, but it nonetheless is still one of my movies from childhood. I, I always look at that movie oh, yeah. kind of rosy. I, I get through rosy haze and I put it on and I can't get through the first 10 minutes. Um, however, they are making a movie, Robin Hood Origins, which is just what the world needs. Yeah, what? This is, Why is it
0: called Robin Hood
1: Origins? It sounds like Young Hercules. It sounds like this should be on the CW, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, who titled it Origins? I mean, do we need an origin story for Robin Hood? I thought we
1: did. Uh, I thought we had one with Russell Crowe. Wasn't that the Origins kind of story?
0: (laughs) Isn't Robin Hood just kind of Robin Hood?
1: (laughs) Can't we just already get him Robin shit? I don't
0: don't understand why. Yeah, it was the origin story. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's
1: going to star Adson... Adson, I, I can't say this kid's name. The little dude from Kingsman, who um, uh-huh. is unfortunately in that really bad trailer, Eddie the Eagle, which I almost made you watch so we can talk <laughs> about you know going full retard and having it backfire. But um, uh-huh. he's going to be starring as Robin Hood to probably offset that bad performance. And Little John has been cast as none other than Jamie Fox. So they're really they're really just throwing caution to the wind here in the casting department because. Um, Last I checked, Jimmy Fox wasn't physically intimidating at all, and I remember. I mean, why would he
0: take this role? That's the thing I don't understand. I, I, I don't. I don't get this movie at all. I don't understand why this exists.
1: It's being written. By I mean, the same it's an guy ant- who did the King Arthur. That's not true. Oregon's I do know why. That, yeah, that I that know she's doing. So it's open to write like uh, of
0: that. Yeah, I mean, this is all an answer to, to Tarzan and and all that stuff that's going on right now. They're really just, um, you're so desperate for. Uh, built-in audiences that they they go back to this stuff.
1: Well, the the idea of the tentpole, but now we only have X amount of tentpoles for certain studios and you have people like uh, Warner Brothers specifically in, desperate in search of other tentpoles outside of yeah. they, they have nothing outside of, I mean, Disney has we'll dual poles. That's all they have though. Yeah. I mean, in, even Universal now is looking for other tentpoles outside of the uh, Furious franchise. So they're trying to find, you know, with the minions and things like that. So, um, they got Jurassic World, you know, reset up. So they're, they're in good yeah. hands. But Warner Brothers is going to be the ones that's really searching. That's why we're getting well, Tarzan. New, that's why we're a new Harry Potter, Potter movie. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy out there.
1: Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with our reviews of
0: six movies. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Why haven't you seen Jaws? I've seen Finding Nemo. That's close enough, right? Why haven't you seen The
1: Usual Suspects? Because I already know who Kaiser Soze is. I can't believe you haven't seen Videodrome. What? Has anyone seen Videodrome? You guys like it? a it Okay, okay, okay. How about I start a podcast where someone will introduce me to one of these great movies I've never seen before, and in return, I'll have them watch a superhero movie.
0: Film-wise, the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. Find it on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Okay. Hit me with a review.
1: All right, I'll start off with a documentary <laughs> I just recently saw called Listen to Me, Marlon, premiering on Showtime recently. It's which this, was the Marlon
0: Wayne's documentary. Yeah, the
1: Marlon Wayne's bio doc. <laughs> <laughs> this is about Marlon Brando, obviously. This was the Sundance hit last year. I think believe it was uh, in contention for Academy Award nomination, which I don't believe it got. But nonetheless, interesting documentary taken from the personal tapes of Marlon Brando. He recorded thousands of hours of himself talking, self-hypnosis tapes. About what? About his life, movies, um, just philosophical ramblings, readings so it's of shit. basically a
0: podcast. Basically, he was doing a podcast every <laughs> night. Um,
1: and just the guy was I, – I never liked Brando. I, I, I didn't – outside of The Godfather, of course, is great. I couldn't name another movie I ever particularly cared for him in outside of the first 10 minutes of Superman. Um, but <laughs> I, I did – after watching this documentary, I guess the best thing that could be said for this was that – it made me want to watch a few of his other movies, particularly Mutiny Hmm. on the Bounty, which he sabotaged a production of and uh, went into a 10-year exile because of... Uh, I'd seen On the Waterfront, but I always took his acting and Streetcar Named Desire. And outside of the kind of iconic images that he presented, I just thought it was always over the top. I mean, I'm not a big fan of method acting in the Stanislavski, Stella Adler school. uh, I know it's, it's very held high in circles and praise, but I just... I thought it was over the top. So anyways, getting back to it, I just think that the documentary is a good documentary in, in changing your idea or making you want to at least revisit some movies. Last thing. It's just
0: a cut up of his recordings.
1: Right. But cut to, to interviews Mm -hmm. and and Ah. pictures and, and things like that. Um, and he, he wanted to digitize his face and he talked about going in and having his face digitized. And they have kind of this, um, this face that's out in the middle of nowhere in the cyber world kind of talking with his words sometimes. And it's a bit eerie and and kind of beautiful (laughs) at the same time. So it's a strange um, documentary about really a strange eccentric man who was regarded as one of the greatest actors ever. But if you watch this, you realize he honestly gave up um, acting a long time before he stopped appearing in movies really in the mid seventies. And that's right after Godfather. He was somewhat kind of, broken by the system and by 1980 he was just doing it for money and um, his onset antics of getting lines delivered through earpieces in his ears and having cue cards held up he just he admits he 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 would get fat and obese and then crash diet for roles. and um, he eventually died a very lonely obese kind of confused man in 80s it was just kind of a sad documentary but interesting nonetheless
0: Hmm. all right what'd you see uh, I finally got around to seeing the Fantastic 4 remake and yeah it's really bad. It's it's as bad as everyone said, which like is surprising. I like I
1: told you on that one because it is it's universally panned and it, it deserves it, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know how uh I just I don't know how you make a Fantastic 4 movie that's worse than the other 3 that are currently in existence and it's like
1: it makes you appreciate them, huh?
0: Oh yeah. Well, I already liked the other ones um before but there how, there's been a couple movies that have come out recently where it's like you see the original and you just think my god you know what were we complaining about back then <laughs> you know and this is definitely one of those i'm just surprised that they uh you know and trank has everything that he said uh in defense of, of why this is so bad um you kind of have to feel that, that a lot of this is is really on his shoulders <laughs> you know um
1: on it here. doesn't
0: seem like this is a uh, studios at fault here i don't know how the hell you would ever cut this into anything anything that would be uh, worthwhile you know the characters really are never together in this movie they separate at the from the beginning um which and it's just it's just people hanging around um the, my other complaint would be that they uh, well they split the characters up too much right i mean you never get a feel for them as a team or even uh them as separate they really make sue storm seem like a stupid little girl uh which is unfortunate but they and she's at most of the time it's the only voice of reason in the movie it's not very good
1: i thought the first scene i can't believe worked. it with, like, a, I thought it the had first 90-
0: scene until you realize it, it's going to be, you know, a, 10 minutes of them being little kids doing nothing.
1: I thought that at least had a 1980s explorers it did. kind of feel to it. And I thought, okay, maybe this isn't going to be the debacle. And then I thought immediately when they killed the power and the kids being abused and blah, 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 I thought, oh man, now we're going on a strange path. And then they jump into them as very uninteresting teenagers or college kids. And like you said, they're split up. It's just it, you, the bad guy isn't well, how, really that bad. How
0: long is Michael B. Jordan in this movie? Honestly, I mean, he, it feels like a separate movie. Yeah. And he's just shows up, you know, Sue Storm's kind of there every once in a while. Um Even uh, uh, Mr. Fantastic, who is kind of the center point of this entire movie disappears halfway through for a long time. It's you like, who's be- the main character for this, for that, for like that good 20 minutes? I fucking, I don't know.
1: It it feels rushed and lackadaisical at the same time. I, I can't, ex- it's it, poorly but-
0: written, you know, I mean, it's really just from the, from the get go, this was a poorly conceived movie. And, you know, if, if someone wasn't that, it, I don't know if Josh Trank couldn't stop this or, or see this problem and make a big enough deal to the studio that this movie sucks for these reasons, uh, then, you know, that's, I feel like that's him. Uh, he failed, right? He failed this movie.
1: It's bad casting. Basically. I think what it comes down to as well,
0: I think the uh, casting's fine. Um, I didn't
1: think any of the actors aside fit the parts. from, well, I didn't,
0: I mean, I'll agree with you on that, but my, my problem with that is that uh, the thing is CG. Uh, he's not even, he's nothing. Yeah. That's right? a
1: voiceover job for Jamie Bell.
0: If even that, because so it's not, it's nothing, right? It's totally unrecognizable. Uh, so that could be anybody. What does the thing matter. do in the
1: movie? What is his purpose in nothing? That movie? We're right, just the so same as everybody else's.
0: Uh, Miles Teller, I, I just don't, I just don't. Um, and Michael B. Jordan really, and as well as uh, as Kate Mayer, they just don't have the screen time uh, to have any effect on you. So, I don't know that it's bad casting because, you know, the writing's so fucking terrible. I don't know anyone that would be able to take those roles and do much of anything with it.
1: I'll agree with you on that. Let's move on and talk about another movie that I'm on the fence about. This is a movie that has been hailed as a classic for the last 35 years. I've seen it in various formats, different cuts. I saw it on a big screen revival last week. This is Blade Runner I'm talking about. This was the director's cut. Mm. Gone is the voiceover narration. Um, I'm not sure which, because there's about nine different cuts, right? You on that box set that has like like four or five different cuts, right? Yeah, Um, I'm so over it. This is, though, I believe the 92 re-release cut, Uh, Mm -hmm. I think. But uh, I'm not an aficionado of the Blade Runner thing. But this was a sold-out showing, and there were people... Uh, with overcoats and the whole thing on so (laughs) I thought they were like trying to dress up with the characters and there was a very very crowded house for this I was surprised this movie holds up visually the score is fantastic the sound design I didn't realize how much womp 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 was in certain scenes that kind of led to an underlying feeling of anxiety of what was going to happen that really worked Um, the compositions are beautiful cinematography is beautiful but most of the Ridley Scott's work including The Martian to some extent leaves me so fucking cold that I just can't get into it. And I, once again, don't really give a shit about anything happening on screen story-wise in this movie. Do you find this movie has almost no story? I mean, it's it's very simply plotted.
0: Yeah. I mean, the story is pretty simple. Um, okay, why does Rector Howard but, save him at the end?
1: I never understood that. I don't know.
0: <laughs> There's a lot to this movie that you just don't really know.
1: Why does he pull him from falling? I've never understood. I'd never, i would mean, never. You go through all mm-hmm. that trouble to chase him through the house, to, yeah. th- to kill him, and he's he's about to kill him, and then you grab him. And the theory that I heard from somebody that was a, uh, that was in the theater talking about it was that he was a replicant. That Harrison Ford's supposed. Yeah, to be a that, I
0: mean that's the the major theory right throughout throughout it. That's why you have different cuts and stuff. Um, you know, that, obviously. <laughs> that's my one of my issues with a, a lot of sci-fi is it's very open-ended so you can go you know on forever about blade runner but as a movie you know does it work
1: it works it as an experience but it is slow
0: an experience yeah i mean it's it's really scott doing some really great set design and stuff um he's always so good at creating a world yeah um but it is slow um i mean i liked it i really like certain frames and stuff of this movie I think are really it's a very cinematic film even though it is slow it
1: reminds me of the segment in heavy metal with Harry the cab driver the future Mm -hmm. Uh, come to life, you know, it's like Fifth mm-hmm. Element obviously was inspired by this, but there mm-hmm. are scenes in this that, like I said, are beautifully constructed. And so odd the toys in the one toy maker's lab or yeah. the designer's lab and things like that, that really play well, even on the big, or better on the big screen, I should say. But story-wise, mm-hmm. I just feel like once they introduce that character and Daryl Hannah comes out and starts kind of romancing that character, we go into a very, very slow spot in that film for quite a while that um, isn't even all that interesting visually for, for long periods. So. Um, but I do like Jed Ever James almost work in this movie, and I've always liked that last sequence where he finds where Harrison Ford's leaving with Sean Young's character, and he finds mm-hmm. that that origami matchstick, you know, to let him know that he was there and he could have arrested him, but he but he didn't, you know. I always, I thought that was the, the most. They
0: should have cut the movie to me. I think on, that's removed in some cut, isn't it? I don't know. It's so weird.
1: Is it? I I like that about that. I think they should have ended with him saying to Ford when he says you don't really think it'll work do you and walks off because I mm-hmm. thought that would have been a nice film noir end, kind of like the Casablanca yeah. the guy walking off in the rain but instead they attack on a, a few extra scenes there in the cut that I saw but mm-hmm. regardless beautiful but stilted.
0: tilted yeah alright what you got uh, I finally got around to seeing Maze Runner 2 uh, which I really liked the first one I thought was, was pretty effective you know um this is uh, confused. I guess it would be the nicest thing I could say about it. Even visually, it's confused. Uh yeah, it's really just an odd movie. I I'm it's it, it's kind of a, just a lost spiraling out of control uh storyline. I think really the problem is it's it's a middle uh book story whatever you you want to say about it. It's like just filler. Right? I mean the whole thing is just filler. It's just them literally going from the city to the mountains, you know, the whole movie. And there happens to be zombies who sporadically show up here and there for no reason whatsoever. Why are there zombies? Um, Other people, why why are they not everywhere? Why are, are there only zombies sometimes and other times there's no zombies? And what's the deal with the infected people? And then some people like aren't infected and some people are immune, but you don't know who's immune. Obviously, not everyone who's been this told they're immune is immune. So is immune. Obvious. Come on, every and character
1: so, is so fucking obvious.
0: Yeah, that's true as well. Uh, which would be fine if it wasn't just if the whole thing wasn't just uh, you know a colossal waste of time to get someone from one place to another. I, way over long. This is just a bridge from one movie to the other. You know, so I don't know. I, my only hope is that the next movie uh, actually has some sort of a point to it because um, this one just. Uh, just filler the first one was so intriguing with that premise of
1: them on that island or wherever Mm -hmm. the fuck they were at you know and (laughs) going through the maze but this one they're immediately off that so you lose that initial kind of hook and what are you left with a bunch of like i said obvious characters doing obvious things that you're just waiting to play out and it's got one maybe two good sequences the one is what they're hanging off the a building that's crashed into the other one that plays well, but that's a, a very little I think that's bit of a, <laughs> uh, but still even that is very yeah. um, minor in, in a movie that runs 130 minutes and has about four false endings. I mean this thing, was relentless in it, it, its running time. I felt like I just I was really hmm. let down by this because I, I was surprised and, and particularly enjoyed. It. I thought it was one of the better young adult adaptations. Yeah, last it's one.
0: almost it's like a direct one eighty, you know, from from everything that you you liked about the first one. You know, was, this was everything that you would find wrong with a movie like this. Um And you figured the second one you should be picking up steam, but,
1: right? Like Catching Fire was picking up steam by the second one. Yeah, you're
0: in the meat of it. You know, you think, but. I guess with the maze runner, once you get out of the maze, you're done. You're just a runner. I don't know. You know, what was, there was just, there was nothing left for them to do. With, you know, that's what I'm saying. This was like a filler, um, at least with hunger games. Um, you know, you were never quite out of the hunger games. And even in, in the last book, when there were no more hunger games, uh, you know, there were still hunger games, right. They found a way to, to make it work. And this just didn't, had nothing. There was no maze running. Why is it called Maze Runner? You saw the second Divergent
1: film, right? Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Now, is the second one of those as bad as this? Is it as much of a, a non-starter?
0: I think those are about as you know worthwhile as this, just in general. But they're better movies um, hmm. by far. But even though they're just, I don't know. Like Hunger Games has something special to it, kind of like Harry Potter did, um, as opposed to Twilight, which. You know, they they exist in their movies and they're fine. And, you know, people like them. And nothing against them. You know, a lot of people like Divergent stuff. But to me, they just come off as kind of, you know, they just don't matter so much. Yeah. You know, but they're That's fine movies. Right. It's not that they're, you know, I could sit there and pick it apart. I mean, they're a little cheesy. They're not like The Giver, which is fucking horrendous.
1: Yeah, The Giver was the Pleasantville of these movies. Yeah. What do we well, got next? Pixels. I got around to seeing Pixels. I liked Pixels quite a bit. I'm a little bit ashamed to say that because it is the Razzie nominated film of the year. I don't think you
0: should be. I think uh, I didn't find anything movie. wrong with this. You know, it was a Christopher Columbus delivered um well, yes. it was special a, effects fine. were good.
1: The comedy was on point. I laughed out loud a couple times when Josh Gad was doing his thing. I thought everybody had their moment to shine. Look, this isn't going to cure cancer. But if you want no, a, a generational it, it, comedy to watch, you could do a lot worse. And yeah, I thought this fuck. is amongst the better of the Sandler, uh, no, excluding That's My Boy, which is the rated R kind of oddity in his filmography the last 15 years. Uh-huh. This is amongst the better of, of what he's been putting out. And it's well, certainly better than The Ridiculous Just Six.
0: like a grown up kind of a version of, of – uh growing ups <laughs>
1: but it speaks to really? a lot of uh a lot of levels though of his character i mean the guy you know he understood the patterns of the game and, and kids today don't you know, the games are so different and this that yeah, i like all yeah. of this and it has that kind of king of quarters um you know that documentary sure. that we saw kind of aspect to it as well but well cast uh with, with and well written for what it is and chris glimmerless did deliver in this this is sublimely directed this is a as Really, not as easily done as it looks. No, I mean this
0: feels—you can tell that this is a Chris Columbus movie. You know, this is
1: polished, yeah,
0: um, yeah, and it has that, as you say, that '90s slickness to it. This has that. You know, it really makes you feel like—I mean—the the thing about movies in the '90s was that they were slick, but they had that—they still—they still kept that amazement that the movies from the '80s had. The wow factor. Um, I don't even know if I would call it the wow factor. It was really—it's really like like an imagination zone or something. You know, like they, they really can can just kinda I don't know, tickle your brain just right, you know? And and that Christopher Columbus does that great. I feel like he creates a world where I feel, you know, I I guess safe is would be the word I would use. It's just weird, but
1: he definitely cre- creates uh, polished work, in my opinion. And this it's is like Neverland, you know. Really, it's
0: like you can go, like Pixels is kind of like stepping into Neverland, you know, where everyone's a kid again,
1: and you know,
0: and it's fun.
1: Uh, it's a, just a great little time, and uh, I, I don't understand why this got uh, such harsh reviews and did only, I guess, modest performance at the box. Office. I thought they were
0: way worse movies than this. Yeah, way
1: worse movies this year. I mean, this is uh, this is amongst the better, like I said, of, of Sandler's. Last 10 15 years easy. I really thought this was good. Check it out. Highly recommend it, actually. Check it out. <laughs> I want to go back oh, a boy. few years and talk, or I want to go back and talk about something that came out a few years ago. <laughs> I don't want to go back a few you years. You can't go please. back. <laughs> please, God, no. Please, God, no. Don't, don't do that to me. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Cloud Atlas, the Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, Wachowski's film that came mm-hmm. out. This was Wachowski's and Tom Twiker. Twiker? I can't say this guy's name. Now, he did run a little run, mm-hmm. but they did this collaboration on the film, three hour opus. This movie spans generational things. You loved this at the time. Generational things. <laughs> I was I was on the fence, but Shit I happens. was uh, was positive. But I rewatched it in its entirety, and mm-hmm. I gotta say, I really found a lot of problems with this movie. I still do think it's brilliant in spots and visually, like like Blade Runner. I mean, it, it, it's almost without equal. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I can not remember being so. Um, frustrated with the pseudo talk and the kind of matrix over talking, you know. I'm talking about the second Matrix, of course, with that one scene.
0: Uh, I never. I mean, I still, I haven't didn't notice anything like that. I, I like the dialogue in this. Really, you rewatched this? Yeah. You've seen this since the theater experience? Yeah, but that even that was has, was a while ago. Okay. So to be fair, yeah. I mean, it's not 100 percent fresh in my mind, but yeah. I mean, I thought it worked on the small screen as well. I just had, remember it
1: playing a lot better on the mm-hmm. big screen for whatever reason, which we think a three-hour film this complex yeah. would play better at home. Um, but it, it did not. And uh, I feel like once I got the point here, they kept hammering certain points home and home. And, and like I said, a couple of those scenes, I just felt like the dialogue was going around in circles mm-hmm. um, just on purpose, much like that scene with the maker. But um, hmm. beautiful visually. And the music in this. I mean, you got to give it up to the music. The score and that main theme, is the piano theme is, is gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous.
0: My, I still like it, so.
1: But uh, the Wachowskis, <laughs> man, I still think they're underrated masterpiece, I'm going to say, it's Speed Racer. Speed Racer. I'm telling you, I think it's... When's fun. the
0: last time you watched that?
1: Um, Not for a while, but I fucking plan on putting that thing
0: on soon. Yeah, next we're going to hear, I really didn't think... <laughs> <laughs> I really found the Christina Ricci scenes where it's not that good. <laughs>
1: no, I think Speed Racer is brilliant visually and... Mm. Uh, It is a lot of fun It is, it's fun, like you say, the Chris Columbus Safe Zone, I felt like that when I watched Speed Race Yeah, it has
0: that same kind of a feel to it Let's get into the
1: trailer attic portion of tonight's show Trailers can be wondrous things, giving us insight into the unseen movies of the future but when they're bad fire photon torpedoes shields up red alert Prepare for Trailer Addict. Oh, we're prepared. Been prepared, Captain. I guess. Captain's always on duty. Picard takes no breaks.
0: <laughs> he can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he shits, he holds it till he's off duty. No,
0: he just... That's why the chair, you know, opens up on the bottom. Shh. Captain's chair. It's a bidet. I knew it. He's got a little, you know, a little peekaboo bottoms on.
1: I want to know why I've aged and Patrick Stewart has not. I'm just curious why he...
0: Uh, well, if you're a captain of a starship, I, I guess you, you never die, because we'll, I think William Shatner um, will never die.
1: <laughs> well, apparently uh, it doesn't work for captains of Star Wars ships, because Han Solo's biting the big one. But let's talk yeah. about trailers on today's show. J.J. Abrams, you sneaky little devil, you had a side project that he released a trailer for the other night or a teaser trailer i guess it would be more appropriately titled 10 cloverfield lane an unofficial spin-off prequel side story something to do with cloverfield it really looks like but more of an intimate story yeah you know, it really
0: looks like it doesn't matter yeah exactly it has anything to do with cloverfield so i don't i don't understand that Why? i mean doesn't that just kind of... I, mean, I get it. It's a cool idea to kind of like tie those worlds together that have nothing to do with each other. But doesn't it kind of ruin it in a way? Because you know there's a better movie outside of that fucking <laughs> in a room.
1: I'm only interested in this to see what kind of performance John Goodman puts off. Otherwise... It'll be kinda, great. I'm done with this kind of uh, trickery and, and shit like that. This is not... Mm-hmm you're not being clever anymore. This is to me it was a cash grab. This could have been just his own little house type production, you know, a little small. That's what I'm saying.
0: I would Brother, rather have he
1: didn't need to cheapen it up by,
0: you know, connecting It kind it of to ruins it. it a little bit because it, I mean, I guess I just don't get it. Why would you make a Godzilla movie and then have it just be some dudes in a room? You know, it's not it doesn't seem like it makes sense to me. Why can't they It would it would to me anyways it would feel more impactful if I knew that they're wasn't a giant monster outside you know why is he really keeping them in that room when you give the hint that it's it's a cloverfield thing doesn't it kind of ruin it because then i don't know even if he's a bad guy is he still has a reason to keep them there i i don't i don't know it seems like it ruins the impact
1: yeah like the plot like the plot point has been or the sympathy is is not being give it to the characters that you would expect.
0: But this trailer, it
1: it still looks cheap and and not very intriguing. Like I said, I only want to see it for, for yeah. Goodman's presence.
0: But, uh, He's always good. so It's a yeah. good reason to see a movie if, if you just want to watch John Goodman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we got Free State of Jones. This is a Civil War thriller slash action film with Matthew McConaughey from STX Entertainment. This is a studio that gave us the gift last summer. They're specializing in these uh, modestly budgeted films with stars attached to, to kind of make back an opening weekend. They might have their hands uh, really full here with this. I don't know how sellable this film is going to be. This looks, I mean, like an interesting story uh, and somewhat intriguing in spots, but I think this could be playing on the History Channel with the likes of uh, I just, Pat Field and McCoys and things like they're doing. Well,
0: like. it looks better than that. I will say that I don't know. This does look like a movie uh, rather than just something that that would be on TV or on the History Channel. Well, it's directed
1: um, by Gary Ruse, right? Hunger Games, right? And, right. So it's
0: yeah. So it it definitely has you know that the upper echelon feel to it. Um, the thing that I'm most amazed is that you know 19th century Matthew McConaughey is exactly the same as 20th and 21st century Matthew McConaughey. And he fits in well. Everywhere. I mean, exactly the same. No difference whatsoever. Yeah, he's literally just Matthew McConaughey. Like he could be Matthew McConaughey in any time era, and it would. He would just. He would be Matthew McConaughey. You'd
1: be proud to know him in 1492. It or would just work.
0: It would just work.
1: It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually think this does look okay, though, uh, for what it was going on. I'm not sure what I thought it was. I thought it was a yeah, looks reenactment
0: movie. It does. Uh, yeah, I know. That, that, it kinda, I was thinking, hmm, is there a little twist here? Is this not real? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, does, it looks better than I thought it would have wound up looking, to be honest with you. So it, it is a little intriguing, but I don't see a point. I guess I will say this about your TV comment. I don't see a point in seeing this on the big screen. Yeah, this I is absolutely
1: – Uh, a lazy afternoon at home movie yeah All right. speaking of the next film is Misconduct with uh, an all star cast of Al Pacino and Anthony Hopkins and then we
0: have the lightweights
1: of Josh Duhamel and Malin Ackerman you're
0: crazy this is uh, Malin Ackerman I love her she's not a lightweight Um, this is the Harrison Ford Gary Oldman movie I think you're crazy (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what movie you're watching. Is that a new uh, thing now? Is this a new genre? Two old dudes fight over the young stud.
1: Uh, you're talking about, uh, oh God, the one with Liam Hemsworth, right? Uh, I can't even think of it. <laughs> right. That I can't think of so it bad. either. Uh, I, I start saw with a it. I reviewed it on the site. My goodness.
0: Hot buns Hemsworth. Who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah. Miley's man. Can't think of it. <laughs> um, um, this is misconduct yeah. we're talking about. And this is about a lawyer going after a big wig. And the big one sends somebody is that what after this is about? No, because then it turns into fatal attraction Because it
0: through, seems like Al Pacino's barely in this. Oh, this is a one scene of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they say some lines. Um, by the way, wow, do both of them look old? This is like. That makes fire. me feel old. Yeah, it's
1: like, whoa. Wow. Well, This is why they're doing these kind of movies, too. I'm sure they're not getting offered great, great
0: I'm sure. Either. And I'm sure they don't want to probably sit around on, you know, a set. It, it takes a lot of energy, I'm sure. So, yeah. But it's just so. I don't It's not demeaning, demeaning's not the right word. But what is it? It's cheap, right? It cheapens them a little bit, it feels like.
1: I just think that – I heard Samuel L. Jackson one time say actors act and you know, you you do it all the time. So I think that they want to continue not only cash and pay sure, cash, which sure. is obviously the thing, but they, they want to continue making movies. I'm regardless. not saying they
0: don't do that. But this movie specifically and these types of movies where it's where – we have a cheap movie. Who can we get? Let's get a couple of old dudes that people will recognize and put them in these shit roles for two seconds and have them – you know, say choice. whatever they're going to say. Yeah, yeah. And be done with it. I mean, when you look at who they're hiring, they're hiring people who deliver lines very specifically so they can get those trailer moments.
1: Which they do here. And this thing feels like a trailer to a movie that, you know, I can't believe they actually made the movie. It's like <laughs> John Grisham meets Fatal Attraction. I'm sure it was the pitch.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Of course, the puppet master, Anthony Hopkins, apparently. I'm I don't know. <laughs>
1: Which they give away in the trailer, so why would you see the fucking movie? Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know why you would see this movie because there's no it's yeah, f- there's no mystery or intrigue in this. Well one
1: uh, of the lines the, du- Melody says uh, is, thriller, is I know who but... did this and I'm going after him. It's like, We know who did this, yeah. motherfucker. Like, I've been watching things for ninety seconds. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got it. All right, let's uh let's move on to uh, uh, a movie that I wonder, you know. Uh, Are we really running out of true stories to tell at this point? Elvis and Nixon. I Uh, thought this this,
1: actually looked intriguing. Of course you did. This is
0: totally worthless. Why? This looks whimsical for about 10 minutes. Can you imagine this being a feature length movie? Nothing fucking happens in this thing. This is Michael Shannon uh, jerking off and, (laughs) (laughs) and Kevin Spacey loving it. I don't know.
1: That actually would probably be a good behind-the-scenes documentary uh, supplement on the DVD. Uh, this is this is maybe going to be worrisome because Kevin Spacey will now be running Relativity, um, the film production, you know, as a studio head. So you're going to get mm-hmm. a lot more whimsical shit like this coming from him. But um, oh, I thought, boy. didn't they do this before? Wasn't this an HBO, made-for-HBO film years ago? I kind of thought so, but I don't know. I thought Franklin Jella had done this with... Um, yeah, somebody Frank else playing the role. did
0: play um, Nixon, but I don't know if it was this per se. I mean, this is very centered around this. Um, God, Philip Baker Hall know. played Nixon in a great movie in the mid 80s, and I can't think of
1: the fucking name right now, but look that up on IMDb if you're ever out there listening. If you're looking for a great, great, that's hmm. Robert Altman film, I believe, in the mid 80s.
0: People love Nixon, apparently. You know, he's such a character. Shit. It's just, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this movie just doesn't seem important to me at all. I don't know any fans of Elvis that would give a shit. I don't really know any fans of Nixon that would give a shit. And quite honestly, it's a story that doesn't seem worth telling. I don't I don't understand the movie.
1: It's coming. Nonetheless, this is an Amazon studio. Well, Michael Shannon's
0: going. coming. I don't and, know. And uh, I
1: thought Michael Shannon was looking pretty uh, pretty good in this role. And, oh, uh, yeah.
0: yeah, the acting's great. I mean. You know, Kevin Spacey was doing um, a pretty good Nixon. It's a regular HBO type
1: film. If this hadn't been one, you know, Life and Death of Peter Sellers along those lines, kind of satirical and poking fun, but probably be trying to make a a statement of some sort. But then
0: that would make more sense to be something in there because you have a built-in audience who, you know, if if it doesn't hit, no one gives a fuck.
1: But Shannon's been on a roll, man. Everything he's been touching, he's been getting nominated. For. I mean, I'm not sure what Michael Shannon—he's really turned good, into though. one I of our like greatest actors. But he, he's quietly becoming mm. a very strange presence to watch on on screen. And and uh, I mean, even this midnight special he's coming out next is going to be, I think, something to watch. We talked about that a while back. Yeah, I
0: agree. That that one looks good.
1: Let's talk about the horror anthology Southbound, coming from the guys who did VHS. This is oh, a um, this trailer is fucking intense. I didn't realize it was an anthology at first. I, so I think, was thinking, my God, there's a lot of stories. Have you seen
0: the VHS?
1: I haven't caught that series, but I've caught you know? movies that they've done on their own. Your next is one of the ones that I thought uh-huh. was pretty good that this director, Joe Swanberg mm-hmm. Swanson, I believe his name is, was part of that whole, uh, this troupe. So
0: yeah, I'll say, you know, the, the anthology movies I don't really get, I don't think they work a lot of times. Um. But the VHS ones really do; they're pretty damn creepy. And the, the way that they're selling this, uh, specifically the Southbound movie, as kind of a, a you know a crossroads uh, of a Twilight Zone type thing, is really neat to me. Um, you know, the idea that and you know, the VHS movie, uh, movies were kind of interconnected in the sense that uh, you were watching you know uh, a collection of VHS tapes that were together for some reason. Uh, but this is really seems interconnected in, in the same. Uh, area in the same you know world somehow overlapping you know weirdness and and, and uh it seems to be pretty damn horrific
1: i mean in effect i mean some
0: of it I, the skeleton thing that's flying around right that's a joke uh but my god some of the other shots in this were just like oh shit
1: yeah this looks like it's i mean the anthologies to me i always think of like the japanese stuff which is really yeah, hard to watch. You know,
0: yeah, to I agree do. with that. You should check out – the VHS stuff uh, has been streaming for a while, so if, if you're interested, um, I would check them out. I thought they were surprisingly uh, good, yeah, because like you say, the Japanese stuff, yeah, it was really hit and miss.
1: Um, so I'll give, maybe they give that a shot because I do think that these guys are uh, not only in love with the genre and it shows through. It's not like they're doing it for for quick buck or exploitation. Well, yeah, it's like they really –
0: you know yeah, yeah cutting them down to short movies though you get you get hit with it right away you now it's really like okay here's the start you know ease into it a little bit set the the scene and then bam here you know here's the horror so it's kind of uh you cut the filler it's kind of a good yeah exactly it's kind of a it makes for a really good roller coaster ride when it comes to like a horror movie thing because you're you know you're, you're up and down up and down up and down rather than in so many horror movies nowadays have, you know, like a cold open little scary thing. And then the first act is just fucking boring.
1: Right. Well, we're just counting off minutes so they can make a feature length running. Yeah. Well, I think another horror, you know, genre master at this point is James Wan, who really is stepping away from the furious franchise. F. Gary Gray is going to do part eight, fast eight, or or, or as Trevor calls it, faced, (laughs) um,
0: feast. (laughs) I like, I want to do feast. Faced. Feast. Feast? I, I feast. think it should be
1: Feast. Better than Yeast is all I know. Feast. Um, And now we have James Wan going back to The Conjuring, which was his biggest hit outside
0: oh, yeah, of but... Insidious,
1: but he really wanted to do this. And um, I never saw the first Conjuring. I was told it was, was great. Um, just
0: Here's my problem. The first Conjuring is fucking awesome. It's really it's good.
1: Hearing. Annabelle, I heard, sucked, though.
0: Really, I actually kind of thought Annabelle was pretty decent as well. My problem with The Conjuring Two is that it's nothing like either Annabelle or The Conjuring. This looks like uh, every other demon horror movie that I've seen in the past five years. So you didn't think there was anything special in this? No, trailer? I thought this just looked like shit. You know, this just looks like someone made another movie, and you know, there's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> The thing about The Conjuring is that it was it's so low key. It feels like it could be real. The, but movies like this don't like The Conjuring 2, like this trailer they don't feel real to me. So it's just I don't know. And it's not really scary to me, I guess. I you think know. that Sorry. it's too
1: much money to play with that they started getting away with uh
0: I think there's no story, right? I think that's the problem with these movies is that there's no there's just no story. So this is going to be exactly the same. You know, a person's going to get um you know, inf- infected, if you will, or whatever, how be it? Um, and then someone's gonna have to come along and pull them out. I don't know. It just it just looks like. It... I mean, you tell me the difference between this trailer and any of the other stuff, that, or any of the Insidious trailers.
1: I think the last Insidious trailer was pretty interesting, which the girl was knocking on the wall and, and the text message. But how is this different?
0: I mean, why does The Conjuring, which clearly was pretty different than Insidious, I thought, although, you know, obviously, okay, they're the same fucking thing, fine. But in, in tone and in, in what it is, they're very different. So why does The Conjuring now have to be exactly like Insidious because Insidious has, you know, has worked Prove, before, I guess. To be a hit, right? But why does it have to be the same? Why do you have to do that? Why can't The Conjuring be a little bit less, you know? I don't know. I mean, the I first the Conjuring most... does end big, uh, too big. I think I think horror movies go too big at the end as well. I thought the
1: most effective horror movie I've seen recently or in mm-hmm. the last couple of years was uh, Deliver Us From Evil. Did you see that?
0: With I don't Eric's think Honor?
1: so, no. Uh, Eric Bannon and Joel McIntyre, who uh, you wouldn't ex- – is that his name from Community? Joel McIntyre? Uh, <laughs> Joel McHale, thank Joel you. McHale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joe McHale. Uh, Joe McIntyre. <laughs> Joel McIntyre, who worked yeah. at the Apple Shop on uh, Locust and Third. Uh, no, uh, I, I surprisingly, he makes a pretty good action hero, and that movie is a, a, a pretty fucking creepy, uh, quasi based on a true story I have type to watch deal. That. Yeah, Deliver Us from Evil. I, I really recommend. I know you you like these kind of movies, and I was surprised I how much that I've one got under that. my skin. Great cast too. And Olivia Munn's in it. And a, lot, a lot of people in it.
0: Oh, I like Olivia Mann. All right, well, that's going to wrap up
1: episode 294. For all of our listeners out there, we want to thank you guys for your years of support. I'm going up now on almost 300 episodes, if you can believe it or not. Next week, we'll be back with the Dick Tracy Retrospective Podcast. I know you guys have been clamoring for a look back on movies. We're going to go back 26 years. Can you believe it? And look at Dick Tracy all over again. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to MovieMavericks.com, Warp 9. Engage!
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.